This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Hold your carriage horses and tighten those corsets. Bridgerton is back. Longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom. But has Penelope truly pushed aside her feelings for Colin? Will Colin realize his feelings before another suitor takes Penelope's hand? This gentle reader can't wait to find out. Watch part one of Bridgerton only on Netflix May 16th. Hello, and welcome back to the Sunday special episode of the UUP Podcast. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I am Jared Freed. It is so good to be here with you, Jordana. We love a Sunday special because today is extra special. We have a very special guest. I've said the word special 7,000 times. <laughs> yes, we have a very special guest. Our whole office is so excited. Everyone is such huge fans of you. I personally have listened to so many of your podcast episodes, um, and I'm halfway through your new book, and I'm so excited to talk about it. We have podcaster, the host of On Purpose, a best-selling author of Think Like a Monk and his new book, Eight Rules of Love, is coming out now. Please welcome Jay Shetty. Thank you so much for having me. That's such a sweet intro. I appreciate it. And I, I loved saying hello to everyone in your offices. You have a beautiful studio, yes. uh, beautiful energy. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. I'm really grateful, honestly. Of course. They were so excited. They were. Everyone here was like, we need to get all of the content. I'm like, don't harass the person <laughs> when I walk in the door. Um, I'm sure he seems like a very nice guy from everything that all the content of yours that I've consumed that I think that you're going to be amenable. Um, I'm but happy to. We're happy so to. excited to have you here. So I, I'm in the process of reading Eight Rules of Love. I'm a little over halfway way through so I'm only on you have eight rules I'm on rule like six okay so yeah yeah. so forgive me if I'm if I if I miss out on any of the last two rules but I love what you do because you really take um you really take the reader through sort of the like the meta experience of finding love and debunking a lot of myths around um you know the ways to find love and the ways that that People think that it's supposed to be something that it's not. But I guess for for people who are less familiar with you, can you give us a little bit of background? I know you used to be a monk, um, which is, uh, you know, very different from a lot of our our listeners. So can you just take us through like your journey and how you became this? Um, I don't know. How, how do you what do you call yourself like a? A guru uh, of sorts. No, no, I, I, I mean, I, I guess everyone's a guru according yeah, to the book. I yes. wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I I consider myself to just hopefully be everyone's. A friend who reads a lot and tries to learn a lot and try and helps them navigate tough times in their life. My official title is author or, you know, podcaster. But really, I feel like I wish everyone could be defined by their purpose and not be defined by a title, because even both of you, I'm sure you imagine you're called podcasters, but there's so much more to who you are. And so I try and define myself as someone who tries to help people find their purpose. That's that's what I've signed up for. That's who I am. But How, I'll tell the story if you want me to. Yeah. Oh, sorry to interrupt. No, How no, old no. are you? I'm 35. You're 35. Yeah. And... How do you become a monk? <laughs> yeah, like, so, I, 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 yeah. like, I know you from my my TikTok scroll. Yeah. Like I so I I you know, you come up a lot. Yes. And you have a guest list that is like pretty unbelievable on your podcast. So how do you go like to me a monk is like you know, off the grid, off the yeah. Like yeah. I don't, I don't think the you know. So I'm no Selena longer. Gomez and the monk don't come across in the Venn diagram of life. Yes. How do you go from monk to Hollywood? Yeah. So like, I'm that's no, kind so of the wonder I. Have. I'm no longer a monk, but yeah, I'll go backwards. So I was born and raised in London. Okay. Uh, I grew up like an average kid in London. Uh, went to school, went to university in London, 
And I was fascinated by the same things everyone else is. I was, I was dating, I was having fun, I was having a great time. And then when I was 18, I used to go and hear entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes speak at university. Mm. This is before podcasts and YouTube. Mm. And so you actually had to go meet Where'd people. Where'd you go to school? I went to school, uh, went to a place, you mean for college, like university? Yeah. I went to a place called Cass Business School in London. Okay. And so when I was studying there, one of my friends said to me, hey, let's go learn from this monk who's giving a talk. And I was just like, why would we go learn from a monk? Like I learned So from... this is like one of the free college, like we got a guy. Totally, okay. Okay. totally, yeah. And my friends were getting into meditation at the time and mindfulness very early. And I was a bit skeptical and cynical and didn't I mean, didn't that's care. the point where I'm like, uh, I'll see ya. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, you're gonna do some meditation? Jared yeah. was at the frat party. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so was <laughs> I, well, so was <laughs> yeah. I. And so, so I said to my friends, this is what I said. I said, I'll only go to see the monk if we go to a bar afterwards. Like those were the, okay. my exact words. And my friends were very persuasive. They said, sure, we will. So I went to this event and I went there, kind of like what you're saying. I went there expecting nothing. I was like, all right, we just got to pass the time. We'll get out of here. And I was blown away. I, I heard someone speak in a way that I'd never heard before. And he was talking about why using your skills and gifts in the service of others to improve other people's lives is the goal of life. And when I heard that at 18, I was like, wow, that's interesting. No one's ever said that before. And I realized now looking back, I'd met people at 18 who were beautiful and attractive and rich and famous and successful by going to these events. But I don't think I'd met anyone who was truly happy. And, and he had that. Like when I mm. saw him, I was like, this guy's content. Like he has happiness. Right. I want that. And so that's what led me to go and live as a monk for three years when I graduated because I was so fascinated by his life. Like, is there an internship program? <laughs> like, how do you get into monk? Yeah, I mean, so you, that's what I wonder. I would, I would, because it's so, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, I, but it's so removed. Yeah, totally. From anything I, and I, I like to think like, if you're listening, you're probably, you know, Jordana said at the beginning. We don't got, I don't think we got a lot of monks. <laughs> so I, 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 it is almost um, not relatable to me. It isn't at all. To yeah. graduate from college. I'm like, I was like graduating from college. I'm going to move to New York City. Yeah. I don't, where do you go? Where do you yeah. start? And had you kept in contact with this person that spoke at your school? Yeah. So I went every summer vacation and Christmas vacation, almost as an internship, exactly mm. like you said, to spend time in the monastery. And I would spend the other half of it interning at financial companies, which is what I thought I'd do after college. And so I'm spending my summers doing monk okay. training and then business training. And every time I'd come back from the monastery, I'd feel amazing and I'd be so grateful I had that experience. Every time I'd come back from steakhouses, suits and bars and offices, right. I'd feel like, I don't wanna do that with my 20s. I don't wanna do that in my life. So I never felt fulfilled coming back from a three month internship at a corporate company, yeah. but I felt fulfilled and fueled by serving food to the homeless in India or right. helping kids in India, well, which is what we do. When and we if I monks. can combine the two, monk with business, I, mean, I will be a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean- yeah, uh, It seems like actually that's kind of like exactly what you've managed to do is combine like yeah. um, the world of, of capitalism and monkhood and bring them together in a way that creates something much more accessible to you know you're you're bringing you're bringing the the teachings of the monks to the masses. Yeah, what sense. I what I realized when I was living as a monk, in, and it's the same thing you said, Jared. It's like I grew up in London. I just wanted to drink, have sex, and have fun, right? Like as a teenager, what? Oh, else, I'd like to make money you, as well. What else do you want to do? Okay. Well, as a teenager, you're not really <laughs> thinking about making money. It's right. Not, it's not you know. And I mean, I started working when I was 14 years old, so I was delivering newspapers at 14. I then worked at our equivalent of Walmart at 16. and then mm -hmm. worked at our equivalent of Forever 21 at 18. Like I've been working for a long time. 
But what I found when I lived as a monk was I was learning all these amazing ideas, but I was like, my friends from London are never going to come and live as monks. Like, that's never going to happen. But somehow they need to hear about these ideas because they're amazing and they're changing my life. And I'm just an average guy from London. If it can help my life, it can help all my friends' lives. And so when I left the monastery, that became a big priority for me is how do I share this with anyone in the world? And okay, today it's, uh, it's incredible where it's reached, but I've been doing this since five people showed up or no one showed up. When I'd be in a little, it's kind of what you're saying, when I was in a room at college saying, hey, I'm giving a talk this week on spirituality Mm. and philosophy and everyone going, yeah, we don't need that. Like who needs that? Mm. And so I've spent years doing this before it ever went online and before it ever blew up, just trying to share these insights and pieces of advice with anyone who would listen. So what, um, what made you leave like the monastery life. Yeah, I thought I was going to do it for the rest of my life. And I wanted to. And what made me leave was after three years of being there, I realized I was far more independent and rebellious than what you need to become a monk. Right. Uh, Monk life is highly disciplined. It's highly focused. And it needs that dedication to doing it in the way it's done. I wanted to talk about wisdom, but with movies and with pop culture references. And I wanted to teach wisdom in a way that anyone could have it. You don't do that as a monk. I didn't even know who the prime minister of England was, I didn't know who won the world cup. Like I was so off the grid. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have any of these concepts. And so I just felt like, well, I'll never be able to share this if I don't understand, if I'm not reconnected. And so I sat down, I spoke to the monks and I said, I think it's time for me to leave. And they said to me at that point, they said, yeah, we feel that if you leave, you'll be able to share this with more people. And so it was a really, it was a break. Kind of like they were kind of like, yeah, maybe yeah, you they were should like, go maybe you should leave. Yeah, it, they were like, it's not you, it's yeah. me. Like it was one of those awkward breakups. But it was like a breakup. Like it felt like a divorce when I moved back. Like I moved back into my parents' house, age twenty six, uh, with twenty five thousand dollars worth of debt, and then got rejected by forty companies after that that I applied for to get a job because surprise, surprise, no one wants a former monk in their company. They're like, what are your transferable skills? Sitting silent and being still? Like, no one wants that. What what is a day? We'll get get out of monk time in a second. What's a day like? At the monastery, okay. like what do you, you wake yeah, great up? Question. Like, these are great. By the way, Jared, yeah. these are great questions. Like I think I'm really glad that we're getting into it because right. yeah, do people ask you this all the time. I don't know if I'm repeating. No, I, no, no, I, no. I, I'm more interested. Like I mean, like you just show up. They don't. You don't need to show a resume. They're like, no, come on in. We got a spot for you. No, there's a process. So that's what I'm saying. When I was going there in the summer and Christmas vacations, mm. they want you to experience it in one week. Mm. Two weeks, three weeks. It's like a program. Totally. Well, it's not like an official written out contractual program, but because I knew the head monk who had met at this event, Uh he was kind of laying it out for me. So he'd be like, come spend two weeks this time. What do you say to your parents? Well, what was I saying to my parents? Yeah, what do you say? Like, hey, this guy who talks about spirituality (laughs) wants me to come live with him? I started not listening to my parents at 14, so (laughs) I I didn't really feel a lot of pressure, but I just said to them, I said, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to go and experience what this feels like. And I'm do- my thing was, my parents just were like, get good grades, right? That was their right. thing. So I'm like, if I can get good grades and I can go and do this, then I'm winning. And so I use that as my get out of jail free card, I guess. And so you wake up at 4 a.m. You have a cold shower every Where night. Hold on, but so where are you? I was two hours outside of Mumbai in India. Okay. And okay. so we're in this monastery, which is in a place called Palgar, P-A-L-G-H-A-R. It's a town, a city in, in, in India. And we're two hours outside of Mumbai to give some context. And you're in a monastery. A monastery is, I mean, it's its just a big open space with lots of rooms where you, sh- you sh- share communal spaces. So you don't have your own bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you sleep in a room on the floor. 
you wake no up, sheets, no comfort. You have like a tiny little yoga mat with a little uh, mosquito net over you because you sleep in this little mosquito tent almost because right. there's so many mosquitoes at night that will eat you is alive. It, is it sometimes more comfortable? You know when you take get a massage and you're like, <laughs> I could sleep here. Yeah. You ever have that thought? You know oh, what I mean? On you, ever the get floor? A massage? you get a massage on the floor? No, you no. get like, you're on the massage table right. and you know how sometimes you go, this isn't like, you're like, I feel more comfortable <laughs> now than I have ever felt in bed. Does right. it, you know, is there an element of, you know, the, the. I don't think there's anyone the, massage. Do you get massages? No, no, the, no, the no you don't. No, but okay. sleeping on the floor mm. is not as uncomfortable as, as it's made out to be. Right. For that's sure. a, it's, with well, the yoga yeah. mat. The, yeah, yeah. the idea of being a monk, a big part of it, right, is like a detachment Correct. from like earthly and worldly Absolutely. things. And yeah. so living simply and not, and basically a detachment from almost everything. Yeah. Right? The, the goal so no Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi and no wife. I thought you were going to say wife. Yeah, no Wi-Fi or no wife. Uh, and and yes, it's it's taking away any external distractions so you can truly go inward. Mm -hmm. So for example, yeah, you wake up at four a.m. You're having cold showers. You sleep on the floor. All of your cold showers. There's no hot button. There's no. The, the, I mean, hot, I mean, or you avoid it. No, the shower can. You're just told not to. Like you're told yeah, not yeah, yeah, to. Yeah, it's a normal shower. It's an honor like, system. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a, what I'm yeah. wondering. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if it's just you one. Sneak, you sneak a hot shower in when you've had a really bad morning. Okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, then, if it was there for me to choose, I'd like do a little on the yeah, right yeah. side. Yeah, you it know? was really funny. We'd have <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then is the head monk looking? <laughs> you really can't. You can't. Uh, and then you're. Uh, and then you're spending a lot of the day in meditation. All of your possessions fit inside a gym locker. So that's all you have to put everything in. You get two sets of clothes. You wear one, you wash one. Mm. So if you don't wash it, everyone knows because they can right. smell you. And so that has to be done. There's a snorer's room and a non-snorer's room. That's the amount of segregation for sleep. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. the thing that they're on top of? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just making sure <laughs> you get some good sleep. I yeah. Think, right? I, 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 yeah, you're right. It is big. But I'd be like, okay, well, what about people who like, you know, different foods you know like yeah I, no you don't get different menus and the most fascinating thing is there's no mirrors so you really lose the self oh, wow. of like how you look that's how you know identity. it's all men right. yeah. <laughs> you ever go into a, a bachelor's like apartment there's no floor length there's mirror. No mirrors. that's how I always yeah know. and so there's right. no mirrors and you forget how you look and the whole point is that if you forget your external <laughs> right. you can actually go internal and is everyone hopefully that helps no I, I, I'm interested Yes, you're celibate. So you're for celibate three for three years. Absolutely, yeah, wow, yeah. Okay. And that was probably the hardest part. Like the, you know, I think the rest of it was all doable with like some energy and willpower, and right. then you know, saying, "Hey, I'm not going to talk to a woman. I'm not going to flirt with someone. I'm not going to date. I'm not going to." But are you, you coming know, across women? Not, not really. Apart from when you're out on the streets, when you're doing service work or charity mm. work and things like that, not really. Uh, but, but you know, it's all in the mind. Is there like a recess? Like, what? How do we? we what do we do for fun? You know, like at the monastery. Is I there mean, like get board games? Like, no, 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 no none of that. None of that. How do you yeah. fill the day? I so you start off the day at four a.m. You're, you're meditating for a ton of time. So you're meditating for minimum four, maximum eight hours a day. So that's like half. That's most people's right. work day already gone. And then you're spending the rest of the day out serving people. So you're helping build sustainable villages, you're teaching in schools, you're feeding the homeless, like you're out there doing work. And so I feel like- How do you that get out there? I'm sorry to yeah, interrupt. Yeah, no, please, I have please. many questions. I love it, man. Don't worry, don't you apologize. you just go up to someone and you go, hey, you need a hand here? No, so we, had, more, we were building like official food distribution programs. So mm. we would have a, a program where we'd go into schools and give people their midday meals. Mm. We'd go to- uh, we were crafting a village from scratch that people could come and visit. So mm -hmm. they were official projects almost uh, that the monks were involved in. And obviously they're just volunteering and supporting. Okay. So it's not a job. Was there any part of like the monk life that you disagreed with? I know you left, but while you still had like a great relationship with them, was there a part of it that you were like, 
you know, I appreciate all these lessons. I got a lot from this, but there's some parts that I'm like, this isn't, I don't necessarily think it makes the most sense. Yeah, I don't think I disagree with any of it. I think it's sacred in the way that it should be. I mm-hmm. just felt that I knew I wasn't a monk after three years. And right. I was okay with that. I was okay with the idea that I've learned a lot of amazing things that can change, that have changed my life and will change the lives of others. But I don't need to live this way to think this way. Mm-hmm. And that was a really important nuance for me where it's like, I don't need to live like this anymore in order to think like this. And I can take these teachings of meditation and mindfulness and discipline and apply them to my life back at home. Right. I like that because I feel like, I mean, it's also like the idea of detachment from everything is such a, a cool, interesting theory. Like, but in practice, but in part of it is in, in practice, it's kind of like, is it is it meaningful to live a life without attachments to anything? Like, isn't part of like the excitement of life getting really excited about a date or, um, you know, or even getting really sad about a breakup? Like the, I, I like the, part of me likes the idea of being, um, I've been married now for, um, and in a relationship for, for a long time. So part of me likes the idea of like long-term, stable, steady, nothing is like super devastating but also there's like nothing is like the most exciting thing you've ever heard so i think that there's an interesting thing to dissect about that of like the monk life is like oh don't you're never you're never getting too too excited or too upset about anything which is nice in theory but it also kind of feels like isn't that sort of the meaning of life yeah well i think (laughs) that what's what's happened in like normal society is that we've become so obsessed, enamored and addicted to things Mm -hmm. that we almost need a detox and a detachment to come back into the middle. Right. So if we could start in the middle, it would be perfect. But none of us start in the middle. We start with an infatuation, an addiction, a complete obsession with things that aren't great for us. Right. And so it's almost like you need to be complete. It's almost like when people say, hey, I didn't look at my phone for seven days or I took a break from my phone for a day. Yeah. And it's like you need that extreme to balance it out. Rather than if you were like, I'm just going to have a healthy relationship with my phone every day and not look at it. You know, that's unlikely to happen immediately. Mm. It requires some sort of detachment. Same with, I mean, if you're trying a new diet or if you're trying to cut a particular food out, you sometimes need to go to the other extreme to get back into the middle. It's hard to to just find the middle, right. if that makes sense. Like to an find elimination right diet yeah, for like your mind. Yeah, it's harder <laughs> to find the right balance without detaching yourself from something that you're completely fascinated by. Yes. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including Headliners, Ulta, Fenty Beauty, Levi's, Adidas, and so much more. Seriously, the list seems endless. Rakuten is how the -the in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. Personally, I'll be shopping for beauty and apparel. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. You know I love to find the best deals while I'm shopping. And trust me, Rakuten is the hack to save money while shopping. Rakuten is the most rewarding way to shop and save because members can earn cash back on everything they buy. Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores across every category like beauty, clothing, electronics, travel, and dining. And this week only, you're going to get the best deals ever. Membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you can get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. 
You guys know I'm a huge fan of Skims, and with warmer weather coming up, I recently tried out one of their t-shirts. Skims makes the best basics and foundations, so it's no surprise that it's the best-fitting tee I've ever worn. Finding the perfect t-shirt can be such a challenge, whether it's the fit or the quality, but with Skims, they make the most flattering shirts for everyone. Honestly, I love pretty much everything Skims makes, but I really love their t-shirts. They're like form-fitting, and they make my body just look that much smoother. I have the soft, smoothing, seamless t-shirt in Onyx. It has amazing versatility. It is literally a must-have for a spring wardrobe. They're stretchy, they're flattering. You can dress it up or dress it down and you don't have to worry about compromising style or comfort. I also have the cotton jersey t-shirt in marble and it's really just changed the game for me. It's taking the regular t-shirt, it's leveling it up. There's no stretched collars or hems and it literally fits like a dream. Skims t-shirts are made with innovative technology while always keeping style and comfort in mind. From crop silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, Skims has something for every fit and everybody. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes extra extra small to 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know i sent you after you place your order select podcast in the survey and select you up in the drop down menu that follows there's no better feeling than spinning around in a salon chair to see your hair looking absolutely perfect but it feels impossible to come up with that same look at home even the best blowout brush won't give you that salon shine thanks to vegamore sticking to my hair routine has never been easier and i'm finally seeing the shinier healthier looking hair that i've always wanted now i love the way my hair looks and feels it's like salon fresh hair that starts at the roots. I have the Grow Hair Serum and I can already tell that it's working. Like my hair feels healthier. I love that it doesn't make my hair feel oily or sticky. I feel like I'm doing something really healthy for my hair. I also got to try the Lash Serum and the Brow Serum. Honestly, my hair has been hard to grow. So I love what Vegamore is doing and I'm already seeing results. I'm already seeing thicker, faster growing hair. Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. When it comes to seeing results, the key is consistency. For best looking results, use for a minimum of three months for visibly fuller, healthier, and thicker looking hair. When I sign up for monthly subscription, I can get one bottle or three bottles sent. Plus, I save more and I never run low on the products I need to take care of my hair. Give your hair the power of a little pink bottle with Vegamore. For a limited time, you up listeners get 20% off their first order by going to vegamore.com slash UUP and use code UUP at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash UUP, code UUP to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash UUP, code UUP. So you get back to London. Yes. You move in with your parents, as you said. Yeah. And now the plan is I want to bring an edible form of monkism <laughs> to the masses. I wouldn't, is that the plan? I, or I wouldn't, was that, I wouldn't you know, even say it was to the masses. I would just be like, I just want to share this with people who want to listen. Mm-hmm. And I had a very small vision because I didn't really ever believe or imagine that millions or billions of people would ever to, to be a part of this. Like I never really had that conception. Right. It wasn't like I said, right. it was like, oh yeah, one day. I never believed that. And so, and, and actually my first thing was, okay, I just need to survive and pay my bills. Yeah, what's the initial... So I, I literally started applying to companies that I would have gone to after college instead mm-hmm. of being a monk. And that's what I was saying, like 40 companies rejected me before interview. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't even get to that stage because mm-hmm. my resume said monk for the last three years and no one wanted to even take me in. So I was stressed that I was like, I can't live with my parents for long. They don't have a lot of money. I can't rely on them. I'm gonna have to take care of myself, but I'm not getting a job. I finally land a job at a company called Accenture, which I'm so grateful to mm-hmm. because it was so important for me to just be able to move out of my parents' house and take care of myself. Yeah. Uh, and so I get a graduate job at 26 when everyone's 21 at this job. So now I'm feeling behind because all my parents, and f- not my parents actually, I'll give them credit, but 
my extended family and my community before I became a monk were like, you've been brainwashed, you're right. joining a cult, you're wasting your life, mm. uh, you're never gonna get married, you're never gonna make money again. There was all these like really intense things. And when I came back, it was like, we told you so, we knew you wouldn't make it. Look, 40 companies rejected you. Look, you're in debt. Look at all your other friends. They're paying rent. They got a mortgage. They're getting right, married, whatever right. it was. And especially, you know, this time in the world, you're yeah. 35. You know, at that age, I'm 37. You're told, go to college. Yeah. Get it done. You know, it, it was, was a, a straight path. It was a different right. time. It, it was, it a, was different a different time. time than now. Even to, to now, this idea that like it was like, Go to college and you'll be okay. Like if you had a friend that didn't go to college, it was like the talk of the town. Yes. Like it was like, oh my God, what are they going to do? Because then they, you know. Thanks you for that context. Yeah. Right. You get repeated. That whole thing at that time was, you know, so-and-so number of people who go to college are millionaires. You know, yeah. they would give you that stat in, <laughs> in high school. So it was like this whole thing of like, there's no option here. Yeah. And now they do it for entrepreneurs. Like now it's swung the other extreme right. where we're like. Well, be an entrepreneur. Everyone has to be an entrepreneur. Right. It's everyone's like, a and creator. Everyone's <laughs> a creator. And it's like, no, like just figure out who you are. Like, you know, yeah. like being an employee or an entrepreneur doesn't make you any better or worse. It's about being who you are. So I think that was a big part of it. And then I finally got this job. And what I started to do was I started to teach meditation and mindfulness at work because my company was prioritizing burnout. They were prioritizing mental health. Mm. And so they were really putting an effort on that. And my interesting fact about myself at work was, I used to be a monk and I right. can teach meditation. Great fun fact. Right. Yeah, that was my fun fact. I don't, and so, I don't think you're going to be like, my favorite soda is Dr. Pepper. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, I, yeah. yeah. So they had this, yeah, they asked you all those questions right. on your joining day. And my, yeah. was, my fun fact was, I'm, I used to be a monk and I teach meditation. And so I started teaching meditation inside the company. And literally two people would show up, three people would show up, five people would show mm -hmm. up, 10 people would show up. I'd do it every week. It would be like in a lunchtime mm -hmm. slot. And then finally, one of my managing directors, one of the executives heard about what I was doing. And she said, I'm going to put you on stage at the company summer event mm. and at the annual event. And I was like, that's awesome. And so in 2014, when I worked at this company, we had an event at Twickenham Rugby Stadium. Uh, and a thousand of my colleagues were in the audience. They didn't have a clue who I was. And Accenture's a- uh, A corporate consulting firm. Consulting, and it's a huge company. They have know, like, like a million employees around yeah. the world. Like it's a big, big organization. Yeah. yeah. And, and then I went on stage in between the CEO and Will Greenwood, who won the Rugby World Cup with England. And I'm thinking- Will Greenwood? No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have no idea who he is. You have no idea who he is. I'm like talking about rugby. Everyone's like, what's rugby? Uh, Willie Greenwood? Yeah. Um, and, and it's just like, I'm going on stage thinking, well, no one's going to care. I'm, no one really knows who I am. I'm just someone who works at the company who teaches right. meditation. And it was just a really affirming moment because- my director came back to me afterwards and she said, I've never seen a group of millennials in a room be so focused on meditation or mindfulness or anything like that any, ever before. And for me, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like people really care about this. Right. So it was almost like a moment for me mm. where I was like, I can oh, do this. I can do yeah. this. Like this is real. Like people care. This can help people. And I think that's where it came from. She's like the, you know, the Hollywood agent. You got the goods, kid. <laughs> I think you got like, what it takes. Yeah, that's what it was. That's how I felt. Yeah. That's how I felt. I think it's such a, an interesting, you know, juxtaposition of, of, Again, the two worlds that you, that seem so polar opposite that you bring together so well and I think make so accessible to people. But I wanted to talk about the book and kind of shooting off of what we were just saying, like the idea of success in the book. And I know you mentioned in the book that – how long have you been married? I've been married for seven and with my wife for ten. Ten years. Wow. So you well, were, hold on. Just sorry <laughs> to get. I, I, how, when did you meet – how did you meet her? At Wallach at Accenture? So I met my wife – I met my wife before I became a monk. 
And so I tell that full story on the okay. f- first episode she waited of for you. my podcast ever. <laughs> uh, she, yeah, kind of, maybe. Uh, no, she was, I was the one who, when I first saw her, I was like, all right, pull it together. You're going to become a monk. I was six months away from becoming a monk. I, long story short, uh, I met, met my uh, wife's mom at the temple in my area who said to me, hey, I have a daughter who'd love to get involved in spirituality What's and meditation. What's this mom doing? She was- Trying then, to ruin these monks. <laughs> no, I wasn't I a monk. I got a daughter for you. I was at college. Oh, okay. I was at college. I was at college. She showed up to the monastery. No, no, no. She's like, hey, boys. <laughs> it's like the Jerry Maguire. Who's coming with me? <laughs> right. no, I was at college. I was at college. I wasn't a monk. Um, and I was, I was assisting, serving at my local temple. Right. And I saw my wife for the first time, thought she was absolutely beautiful. And I- you know, I was like, all right, well, I was talking myself out of it because everything in my normal brain was like, just ask her out. And I was like, no, no, you're becoming a monk in six months. Like, stop it. Mm. And so she I- could have ruined this whole empire. Could have. Uh, <laughs> I introduced her to my sister at the time. And so her and my sister became really good friends. I went off and then when I came back, uh, she was at my house all the time with my sister. They, they became great friends. And my sister was our- was our connector and middle person, mm. oh, nice. my she, wing person. So she already fit right into the family. Yeah. But you say that you, I mean, you uh, clearly, you said you met her before you were successful. And in the book, you talk about how it was a good thing that you met her before you were successful because she didn't really care once you became She still successful. doesn't care. She still doesn't right? care. She's and, like still just about, she just finished my first book. It's been three years. Okay. And uh, <laughs> she just started uh, listening to my podcast last week and she started sending me messages going, I really like this episode. It's so funny. It really <laughs> it's keeps your ego in check. It's brilliant. Yes. I mean, being married to someone like that is just unbelievable because I think if I was married to someone else who loved me for what I'd achieved, I would have fallen into that trap as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel really lucky that I'm married to someone who loves me for who I am and not what I achieve. And it's the biggest blessing because she really couldn't care less. She doesn't know about any stats or numbers. We had a team event. My team laughs about this all the time. We had a team event at my home uh, last year where everyone was giving updates about what we'd achieved and you know what they'd done and all this kind of stuff. And my wife was sitting there and everyone, everyone laughs at this. They're like, she was like, wow, that's so cool. Like she was like, she was completely shocked and surprised because she had no idea. And it was just, you know, that's who she is. She's well, it kinda It kind of works into what you're, you know, the theme of what you, you talk about as far as like not getting, she's not interested in the thing as much as the person. Right. This yeah. is, well, I think I thought it was an interesting parallel too, because I mean, J- Jared, we, we talk about this a lot where J- Jared's a comedian and he's dating. And I think that there's, um, there's probably it's probably an interesting thing to be dating someone where it's like, what is the level of interest in what you do that you want someone that you're dating to be? Because um, you want someone to respect what you do, right? You don't want yeah. them to be like so. You don't want you wouldn't want her, she wouldn't you wouldn't want her to to see your podcast and be like, oh, that seems like a joke. Yeah, like you yeah, would want right. her to respect what you do, but also not the idea that she's not like a fangirl. She's not at of all. Your show. Yeah, there's, I a, probably, there's a nice in between. I uh, yeah. this reminds me of a story. I had a woman that DM me. She was like. Well, here's reasons you should date me. It was like she basically wrote <laughs> reasons you should date me. Wow! And one of, and the first reason was I'm much funnier than you. Wow! And just was like, how did that feel? And, and I go and and but then she didn't stop. She kept going. Not like just much funnier. <laughs> Funnier than you'll ever be. You're not funny at all. Did you agree? No. This isn't a funny opening. This opening joke sucks. Okay. You haven't wowed you're, me. You were giving criticism yeah, back to Well, like, I didn't even, yeah. I deleted it because I was like, I, but it was such like the wrong entry point yeah. to a hello. Right. You know? But it's like, like what, is the, what is the ideal level of, of, um, 
interests that you yeah. want your partner to have and what you do. And I know you have a um, the chapter I just finished. I think it was rule five or six where you're talking about, um, you know, how you want to be making space for each person to find their purpose. And, yeah. and sometimes one person has to sacrifice for the other person. And I think I thought about I thought of you in that chapter, mm. too, because you do shows every night and some women might be like, Oh, I don't. I want him to be spending time with me. I don't want him to be going out and doing stand up. Um, well, right. then, then don't date a stand up, right? Like, as in, like, there's also a reality around, like, if if someone met you and they can see what your life is like, that's what you're signing up for, too, right? Mm. Right. I think I think there's a reality check there where if someone's building their career as a stand up comedian and that's what they do and they're growing and things are going well for them, like it is for both of you, it's like that's part of what's going to come, right? They're not just suddenly going to change, but. I think I think what you were referring to earlier, which is interesting to me, is this idea that, uh, like, how, how much you were saying, how much to, how much you want the person, yeah, that how much you're, you, yeah, you're with it. to like understand and fully like be involved in what you're doing or or really get it. Yeah, so I believe that you want your partner to respect what you value, but not value what you value. They okay. can't. It's just not possible. Like, if I wanted my wife to love what I do as much as I love it. That's just really not realistic. And it's the same way as her saying, my wife's uh, love is food and health. She's a nutritionist, a dietitian, a vegan chef and recipe developer. When she eats a meal, like she knows every flavor profile and everything. I have no clue. I'm a basic guy who just eats basic food, right? right? But So I can't value what she values, but I can respect her art form. And so I think someone respecting your art form is different to someone fangirling. And I think you don't want to be married or in a relationship with a fan, just someone who respects you for what you do. And so I feel that my wife respects what I do. She admires it. She appreciates it. At the same time, she's the first person to call me out. So mm. if I practice something to her, last year I was doing something which was really high pressure and high stress. And I practiced for her uh, the day before. I was, I was doing my script and I was sharing it with her. And she goes, Jay, that's really not good. <laughs> like, that could be so much better. Right. And all my ego, like my male ego was like, do you know who I am? Like, right. I didn't say that, but inside I was like, do you know who I am? Like, you know, like, you know. And, and I realized I have a that, pretty big podcast. And, that, and that's the beauty of being married to someone who can humble you and know, and you know ultimately that they just want you to be better. That's why they're saying it. Right. That they're saying it for you. They're not saying it for them. Like, she doesn't get anything out of this. And I think that's what I love that. And then I rewrote the whole script. Uh, but I, I love being humbled in a relationship. I think there's this great story of uh, Robert Downey Jr. talked about it, who I admire so much. I think he's awesome. Uh, he was being interviewed at the Cambridge Union. I've never met him. In England. I've never no. met him either. Uh, and have you actually met him? No, 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 no. no. And uh, they asked him, they were like, you know, what does it feel like to be Iron Man? And he said, well, you know, when I come home, my wife and kids are not like, oh my God, it's Iron Man. He was just like, they're just like, yeah, can you take the cat poop out? Like take the trash out? Like the reality of home is so great. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so. you don't want to be like worshipped at home. But on no. the other hand of it, sometimes it's kind of, and you talk about, I forget what you call them, like the the sort of like superficial attributes that sometimes people are attracted to, whether it's like status or money yeah. or yeah. um whatever those things are. Sometimes those are somewhat part of people's identity and mm -hmm. they feel like they're, let's say you think that, let's say you're very, very beautiful and you're kind of like the person you're dating, you know, isn't that impressed by that? You're kind of like, well, I thought I was like bringing this to the table. Yeah. So it's right. like, are you, yeah. um, the thing, it, it's interesting to me, it's like when the thing that you value yourself on, you assume everyone else is valuing yeah. you on too but they're not necessarily doing that. In some ways it's like a compliment, but in other ways you're kind of like, well, then what, what are you here for? Yeah, and that's why I yeah. think like they can respect that, but if they like 
more and more and more deeper parts of you. That's awesome. Like, you know, uh, I grew up always having my eyes pointed out like, oh, you have green eyes, da, 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 right? Like that was a big thing for me. And then I married someone who has green eyes. And so it makes no difference to her that I have green eyes. Like that's irrelevant to our relationship. Right. And so I don't think that, I don't think, I think someone who loves you can actually make you value more deeper parts of yourself that you don't even value yourself. Like someone who loves you makes you fall more in love with all of yourself because they see parts of you that you don't see yourself. So to me, that's kind of like the heart of a good relationship. I like that. Yeah. I like that too. How, what gets you like in the love game? Do you know what I mean? Like right now you go with eight rules of love Yeah. and you're going to have people coming to you. You know, like we hear from people that, you know, every day we get emails that are like, what do I do here? What do I yeah. do there? They're very specific. Yeah. How do you talk about, you know, talk to someone who's 25 and not in the monastery yep. and having an issue texting with someone. Yeah. You know, totally. how do you speak to that? Yeah. Well, the book does. I mean, the book's definitely not written from the, my first book is called Think Like a Monk. And so if anyone wants to understand that part of my life, it's in that book. Mm -hmm. In this stage of my life, I wrote this book because I've been fascinated by love my whole life. I finally have a healthy relationship, which is, which is beautiful to have. And I'm learning from it. I'm growing. Of course, we make mistakes and we're not perfect. But this was what I felt like writing about. So if someone's 25 and struggling to text, I actually don't think saying here's how to text back is what actually helps. That's mm. such a small, short-term figuring out. Like what really helps is figuring out, well, what are your, what's your personality? What's your values? What's your goals? Mm. Because what ends up happening is you could send the perfect text, which is not who you are, end up in the perfect relationship which isn't the one you want, mm. just because you nailed how to get someone. And so I don't think getting someone is a sign of being in a good relationship. And so the idea of like, send this text because that's what's going to get them excited and this, if that's the relationship you want, that's great. Right. But I don't think that's the relationship people are looking for. So I have a section in the book which says, uh, you attract what you use to impress. So if you use a part of yourself to impress someone, you're going to attract that. I had a client who was like, oh, you know, this new girl that I'm dating, she's only into me for the money I have. And like, you know, he's like dripping in Gucci, mm. like carrying a Gucci bag. And I'm like, well, bro, that's the picture on your Tinder profile. Like, what are you expecting? Like, you're putting that out mm. into the world. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. We do dating at makeovers. And I always say that about like, you know, because we get a lot of women who write in and they're like, they're, I'm just getting messages from guys who are trying to hook up. Yeah. And I'm like, well, sometimes it's about the pictures that you're putting forward. If you're started, if your pictures are sort of mostly displaying your body or your, your, your sexuality or your looks, no, there's anything wrong with that. But the person who's attracted to that is probably going to be the person or the person who's most primarily first, first thing they're interested in that is going to be the one responding to those prompts. And those might be like, you might be getting a different bias level of people who are Yeah, and that's in not that. fair. Like, I wish it wasn't that way, right? right? But but it is how people think. And but we, it, yeah. in a more fair way, it's also the loudest person that comes totally. out of you. It's the person that keeps coming at you. <laughs> is like, you know, you know the, the person that's into, you know, the looks and sees the, you know, cleavage out. That's the one that's like screaming and knocking at the door as opposed to the person that might, not do that if and, you know or the person that it, it might you have a quieter you know yeah, yeah. Uh, knock from the person being like i like that prompt you wrote yeah you know? <laughs> and that's what i mean right it's all about human psychology and we have to decide do we want attention and validation or do we want a relationship those are two different things and neither are good or bad mm. if someone wants attention and validation go for it you know there's no i have no issue with that but if you're saying you want a relationship right. don't settle for attention and validation
And I like that about what you're, you know, what you value in yourself is the thing that you're going to get valued for. Yeah. Um, which I, again, I thought it was so interesting that you were like glad that you met your, your wife before you became successful, because I think that there's a lot of, a lot of men, um, who listen to the show or just in general, I feel like, feel like they need to get to a certain level of success before they can, they can meet someone or before they can devote time to meeting someone. I see that challenge and I, and I empathize with anyone who feels that way. Like I think today there are a lot of men who, who feel inadequate or struggling with the idea because they feel intimidated or they feel they need to be strong and they need to have mm. all of this together. At the same time, we need to be in touch with our emotions. It's like, it's, it's a lot of demands. A lot of men feel that way. And, and I fully empathize with that. I would just say that it doesn't matter when you meet someone, if it's the person that you want to build a relationship with. Like when I met my wife, I didn't have any money. I didn't have a job. I used to tutor on the side college students to pay for our dates. And that's the life that my wife signed up for when, when we first met. And so I respect her for that because she didn't have to do that. She chose to do that. And so now when people are like, oh, your wife's so lucky to be with you. I'm like, well, actually it's the other way around. I'm lucky to be with her because, you know, she had no idea where this was going. And, and she committed to that person. And that's the kind of person I wanted in my life. Right. That's my point. Like, there, I'm sure there were loads of women who would have been like, he's a loser. He was just a monk for three years. Like, he has no job. Why would you date him? Like, I'm sure my wife was hearing that from so many people in her life. But I didn't want to be with a person who felt like that. Right. And you might right. never know. If and you might you were, know. If you were already successful and you met her, like, that, if that was a big part of the appeal. Yeah, totally. You never know. You never know. And I think people fall in love with your performance as opposed to you as a person. And I think that that's what becomes hard as a performer, as an actor, as a musician, as a podcaster, as a creator, whatever it is that you're scared that someone falls in love with your performance and not who right. you are as a person. Because mm. your performance is a part of you, but it's not all of you. There's so much more of you. Totally. Uh, it's it's 1%, 10% of your life. And I'm sure you feel that. Um, to an oh, extent. listen. You the whole set, every, which, every, you know, it's, it, it is you. Everything's out. You know, when you put something out there, it's an amped up version of you. Yeah. Yes. And then you got to like be you on the couch too. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, like right. you got to, you know, Jay Shetty's got to go and not be former monk. Yeah. Now love guru Jay Shetty on the couch. Yeah. You, know, you got to. Right. Well, it's have like, it all. how annoying would it, is it when someone's like, well, tell me a joke. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, tell yeah. me some wisdom. Like, right. Say give, me, give me something. Give me yeah. a pearl of life that's yeah. going to help me through. Yeah. And I, and I don't want to be that at home. I don't do that. To, I believe unsolicited advice is the worst advice. And mm. so if I'm sitting with a group of friends and they're complaining about their relationships or challenges, I'll just stay quiet. Right. Because I'm not going to give advice unless I'm being asked for it. And unless I'm actually a part of that person's life, I, I stay out of it because... I don't think just jumping into everyone's life, you know, is the way to way to spread wisdom. You know that feeling when you're going on your first date with the person you've been seriously crushing on and realize you have absolutely nothing to wear? Maybe you find yourself wishing you had the perfect pair of jeans, the one you can fancy up, fancy down, and just look better every time you wear them. Well, that's why you need to check out Lee Denim. I love Lee Denim. I'm wearing them today in the office. I'm wearing their jeans. I love, they also have this other pair that I have at home that I'm really excited to wear. It's like a little baggier, but it's still so comfortable and yet it's still so flattering. I don't know how they do it. Every time you wash it, they also look even better. And I love that they flatter every body type. Denim trends come and go, but Lee is legendary for creating denim cuts that fit your body. Their denim gets better with age and their classics fit into every look. Lee's denim jacket is the one to reach for without fail. A classic. The Ryder jean jacket is the OG, what every other brand has copied for decades. Everyone is an icon in their own right, and Lee makes denim so people can own their style and feel good in their clothes. 
Their spring collection is here, so get the freshest looks and cuts before anyone else. You can find your Leaf Fits by visiting lee.com. That's lee.com to shop spring looks now. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash betches. Should we get to the question? Yeah, let's do Let's the do it. Right. We want everyone to go buy Jay's, uh, Jay Shetty's book. Uh, it Thank is you. called Eight Rules of Love. Go, go, go. It's out right now. Um, how to find it, keep it, and let it go. Go. I'm yeah. looking at it right now. I love it. So... <laughs> You want me to read it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right. Hi, J&J. Big fan of you both and all your sage advice. I'm writing in with more of a thought starter and less of a question, but I'd love for you all to weigh in. I've been single for a couple of years now. I'm a 30-year-old woman, and I've been on and off the dating apps for years. My complaint is this. Lately, I feel like I've been seeing a lot of mixed messaging on how to approach dating. I've been getting a lot of TikToks on my feed that are from women in relationships that treated dating like a job. They went on several first dates a week, curated their dating apps in a way to meet the right guy, etc. And it worked out for them, but only after putting in the work for months, if not years. On the other hand, people in relationships tend to encourage single people to not focus on dating so much and, that, and they love that age old, it will happen when you least expect it. I think single people are all, um, also are encouraged to focus on being the best version of themselves to attract the right person, which can be frustrating to hear at times. I'd like to quickly note that not all of my crowdsourcing is coming from TikTok, but I saw <laughs> too many similar videos to ignore. It's funny because like once you wa watch one, then yeah. they're all they all come to you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the same kind. For me, I've taken the 
the treat dating like a full-time job approach for the last year or so, and I have nothing to show for it except some light trauma and a few good stories, so I will now be taking a break from the apps and transforming into the best version of myself. Anyway, would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. About to be the betch version of myself. <laughs> I love that. Uh, great question. So thoughtful, so reflective. The first thing I'd say is that there's nothing in life that just happens when you least expect it. Like I think that that cliche is really presenting an idyllic view of love. I think when couples say, when you know, you know, and things like that, that's beautiful. But when you're learning and teaching, you have to realize there were far more intentional points. So I think people being highly intentional right. about finding love and a relationship, if that's important to them, is number one. And what I'd say about that is the apps are one place and apps success-wise show the same level of results in studies as other ways. But just to add three other ways that I've seen couples find love in a great way, you know, young couples, people of all ages. One is the old way through people of the same value. Like telling people that you trust and you love to look for other people that they trust and love to connect you with. And often the people in our lives are scared to do that. They don't know enough about what you're looking for. They're not aware, but that still works. The second is places of similar value. Like you're more likely to find someone because you go to a place that you both love rather than go, I'm going to random bar tonight and hopefully I bump into the person of my dreams. And what if I love the bar? If you love the bud, then you already have a relationship. <laughs> okay. You're already taken. I I'm mean, already done. Yeah, okay. you're already done. Uh, and then projects you love. Like I know so many people who've met because they were part of some sort of club or society or some sort of community or some right. sort of, I think that we just are not looking beyond, but you have to be intentional. Do not live in the thing of, oh, it's just going to happen. If that happens for you, that's amazing. I love that for you. But if someone's seriously looking for a relationship, it has to be an intentional effort. Well, I think the, the problem with intentional effort now is that we have the first thought is the apps. Yeah. That's a very like tangible thing well, that you could do right away. Yeah. You know, and the you friend, and it's I, the kind of thing where like, if you say I'm, I'm, I want to be in a relationship and you're not on the apps, the person's like, well, then you're not trying. And I don't, yeah. right. Interested in <laughs> right. You shouldn't complain. Right. right. Yeah. You get accused of this and it's like, and, and the apps become a very, like, I can understand someone's on the apps and they go, I'm here. Yeah. It stinks. Yeah. It's not working for me here. And, the thing you said about, you know, the friends, which I, I totally agree with. Is there a way you think going towards your friends, you know, marketing yourself to your friends? <laughs> what, is, what is the because I, I do believe that yeah. is the the key to all of this for a lot of people that and because friends always come back. No, I don't know anybody. I, and just like you even said when you were talking, just they don't know what you're looking for, what you want. But I don't even do you think they even have to know that? Is there a way to like energize your friends that it doesn't feel like you're hitting them up and bothering them. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think one of the biggest things with, with friends is, and you know, I have friends who constantly remind me and ask me all the time, like, Jay, do you know someone? But it's like, it's really useful knowing, okay, what level of seriousness is this? Because you don't want to be a bad friend to either friend. I don't want right. to introduce someone who's not serious to someone who is serious. Mm. So seriousness level on the spectrum of one to 10, how serious are you about a long-term relationship, right? The second question or that they need to understand is uh, what are the things that are priorities and what are preferences? Like what are some things that are really important to you and what are some things that are like, eh, I'm, I'm flexible on stuff like this. Mm. Priority could be like, I don't want to move. I want to live here. Or someone may say, I don't care where I live. I'm happy to move. I'm happy to meet someone long distance, right? They, you never know. So on that spectrum. And the third thing is keep reminding your friends. 
I keep getting reminded by friends in my life right. because I forget I'm busy. I'm sure you're busy. We're all busy. Like you forget. And then someone says to me, hey, Jay, like just checking in, just letting you know that if you meet someone, let me know. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I just went to a wedding. I met someone great. I think he'd be awesome. Let me connect you. And so then keeping it fresh for that person helps that person help you out because they're not sitting there thinking about you the whole time. Do you ever get someone who has a preference when they're telling you best and then they're like, and they're like, you shouldn't have that preference. Like, <laughs> yeah, or definitely. like that's an unrealistic um thing but it's like like you said you don't want to give someone unsolicited advice i try to i love setting people up it's like one of my favorite yeah. things to do but sometimes someone will say like and i'm only interested in you know i like guys who are over six two yeah and i'm like well you're five one i don't really know like like that's fine but yeah you know i don't and but you don't want to give someone unsolicited advice yeah. just as an example um yeah i do, do I, that yeah definitely i think if if they're open to it i i would help them understand like that's not going to make your relationship great like right. you know like right. i try and focus on what and that's what i'm talking about with texting or whatever it's like what actually makes a good relationship it's it is chemistry chemistry is massively important it is compatibility it is connection and it is character but if you're only looking at physical height like right. which is right. such a specific attribute that you're like cutting out so many different options when that's just because someone's tall is not going to make you have a good relationship in any way. Yeah. And so I think being honest and open about that, also people are very vague. When you ask people mostly what they want, they're like someone with a good sense of humor and someone who's kind. I hear that from anyone. It's the most basic thing to look for. And it's mm. like, well, wait a minute. Like you can be, you need to be open to other people. They may make you laugh in a different way. They may be kind in a different way. So I think sometimes we're very uh, stuck to our priorities and preferences. Right. Uh, and we definitely need an upgrade for those, for sure. Also, everyone thinks they're kind, I think. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, uh, and yeah. isn't answering no to that? Right. Like, uh, no, I'm not kind. I'm actually yeah. not kind. Well, it's, it's the unrealistic thing is like, you know, now, now that uh, Michael B. Jordan announced on SNL that he's on Raya, mm. you know, like everyone's, you know, everyone's like, oh, maybe I need to be on Raya. So, holding you know, out. Yeah, 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 everyone's holding out. I was like, <laughs> right. until that happens, I'm going to stay on, you know? So, with, and because you met your wife so young um, and yeah. you've been with her for so long, has there ever been, have you ever struggled with anything of like, I've been with this, with this one person for so long. I've never, I, I didn't know. I don't know if I dated enough or I don't know if I've met enough people. Do you, have you ever had that feeling? I feel like I dated a ton of people from 14 to 21 before I became a monk. And so like for those seven years, I was just, you went ham. Uh, yeah. Okay. I was like all in and all out. Like it was great. It was amazing. Uh, and so I feel like I got a lot of stuff out of my system. I feel like I got to live the life I would have wanted to live in my teens. And now I find that me and my wife spent a, spend a healthy amount of time apart. Okay. And I find that that keeps re things really fresh for us at least. Uh, and I know that that's not possible for everyone or whatever it may be. But for us, that's been a big thing where I like miss her and I we, we want to rekindle the spark. We want to go on vacation again together, whatever it may be. Like I think spending a healthy amount of time apart is really great for us. Uh, and because of both of our work schedules, we end up spending three months a year apart, not in a row, but in, in, in different uh, moments. Well, if there's anything quarantine taught us, it's the importance of spending time apart. <laughs> that was fun too. Yeah, right? you know, it was fun too. But yeah. Three months apart. Yeah. So just on different coasts. That's different... so hot. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's she, it. She's in, she's in London. I'm in LA. Yeah. Uh, I'm traveling. She's in LA. Like there's just. That's I would, dream. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of like a guy listening to this uh, being like going to his girlfriend being like, I got an idea for this relationship. Okay. <laughs> Jay said. He, Jay, yeah. he was like, you got to go three months apart. Three, right. you know, uh, nine. Yeah. I mean, unrealistic when you have kids. I yeah, assume, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And we don't. And though. so with all those caveats, like, you know, of course we don't have kids, et cetera. But for us, I found that really helpful. And I found that, 
you know, this is why I believe so much in everyone having their own pursuit and having their own purpose. Like your person can't become your purpose. Well, that's, and, that's a big part of the three months apart. If you yeah. want to like break it down, right? Like yeah. that's, you guys have things going on. There's yeah. no thought of like, okay, what the hell, you know, why haven't I heard from this person or why yeah. are they not here with me now? I, there's no need. It is, you know, would you say that there's like more like, we're, we're together because we want to be together. Yeah, and also there's a sense of like, I'm excited for what's you. happening for yeah. you and I miss you, but I'm like, I'm so excited to hear about all these stories you just collected and these experiences you had. And now we get to build a new experience together rather than like, oh my God, we're just going to do the same thing together every week. And so even if you're not someone who has a life where you travel for work or whatever, I think that in an average month, you've got to make sure that you spend some time by yourself, time together, time with the same friends that you share, but time with your own friends too. Mm. I think you can't just be hiding in a room full of couples that are all friends together or just spending time with each other. And I think when you have all these different dynamics, your relationship becomes healthier because like, hey, I just did this with the guys. Hey, I just did this with the girls. Like there's just so much more energy that you bring to a relationship rather than I'm depending on you to make me happy right now at every moment, every second of the day, which no one can keep up with. Right. I, 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 can I ask a question for myself? Please, I, I got, I got access to a former monk here. Um, I need focus. I need, I, I think that's a big problem for me. I was thinking like focus, like. On dating. You, and dating, because I'm out there dating. I, you go on first date, you got someone that maybe you're on a second date with, like it's all going on at once. And then you go to the bathroom, you open up, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Oh, there's Raya. There's, uh, there's Hinge. There's Bumble. That enters the rotation you know like that becomes so i'm sure there's people out there that have like and i i'm speaking for myself so i'm assuming there's people like me where it's like there's just a lot of moving parts and you don't feel concentrated on one yeah. person to even there's explore always someone else. there's always someone else there's yeah. always something else going on if I choose this, am I going to get three months down and realize I didn't give myself the opportunity to go down that road that maybe I should have gone down? Or probably like, oh, you're three months in with someone who's probably perfectly great, but you're like, oh, maybe I could find someone who yeah. didn't say that annoying thing that right. one time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. what, is there a meditation for this problem? <laughs> can, can you give me a mantra? <laughs> I, I, no, you, you're right. They, like, you're three months in with someone, you go, I'm not missing anything, but I'm not... This isn't what I imagined. This isn't the yeah. ghost I, I thought I was going to to capture. I, I, how do you speak to that in a yeah. in a way? Is there is there something you can repeat to yourself? Is there something? Is there tangible things you yeah, can do? I mean, I mean, the thing to repeat to yourself if if it's all going okay but not better, it's like it's only as good as I'm going to make it. Like it's mm. only going to be as good as I make it. Like every relationship will only be as good as you want it to be. Literally, like if you want it to be great, if, if I'm saying if there's no toxic behavior, there's no, nothing abusive, right. like if you're having an okay relationship with someone, if you want to make that relationship great, you can do that. So I hear that and I yeah. go like, I'll give you like an example that's not specific, a little yeah, vague, please. but yeah, I, I'll give you an example. You go out on a couple dates with someone yeah. and then you get past, you go, all right, let's do the next thing. Yeah. Let's go, you know, maybe now we're going to do the hangout on the couch or yeah. we're going to go spend a day time together. That's kind of the normal yeah. progression. You go yeah. from like a drink state to another Netflix drink state. And, and then now you're in Netflix and chill zone. Yep. You're okay being in your sweats and your comfies together. Love that. And then you get away from that. You go, ah, I'm not there. And, yeah. and, and I'm not as excited well, yeah. as I wanted to be after the comfy cozy date. And then you go, ah, do I push through 
where maybe I do feel that they're excited after comfy cozy date yeah. and I'm not excited after comfy cozies. So what, you know, and then you go, man, I'm going to be, if I go to that next date, am I, now I'm responsible for that person's feelings a little yeah. bit more than I was the day before. Yeah. I'm pushing through, you know, we get a lot of emails and I'm in, I'm in this boat of like, Joe, just go again. You know, yeah. you get a lot of people. Just do it again. It'll happen when you find it. Yeah. No, you got to dig in. You got to, you know, what's a, you don't know. Three months in, you'll know. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, great question. I, I think the first thing is you don't have to, you don't have to push any further than you don't want to. But at the same time, you've got to, really, it's about digging deep in yourself, not even mm. with the relationship and going like, what excitement am I looking for? And by the way, sitting around watching Netflix together is a recipe for no excitement. Sure. There's no shared experience. You're watching a TV show together. There's nothing fascinating talking about it for more than three minutes. Yeah. And you didn't have a shared, like unique, right. incredible experience. Like I encourage couples that I work with or coach to go out and do an activity, an ex escape room, an experiment, a, a pottery class, an art class. Like go out and do something So many together. of those are in like, strip malls though, which yeah. is kind of depressing. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, but the okay. point is go out and do something that yeah. can build excitement. You're not going to have an excitement sitting around watching Netflix with someone and I think that's one of the reasons why so many couples who are married or in long-term relationships lose the spark but we have to talk about the science too which is which is fascinating and this really hit me so when we experience chemistry or that spark it's because we're feeling excitement and stress at the same time so you have the excitement of oh um, I like this person. The stress is, do they do like, like me? Yes. Uh, the excitement is, oh I just got their number. The stress is, what do I text them? Right. The excitement is, yeah. Oh my God, oh my God, I think this is going to work out. The stress is, are they thinking the same thing? So when you're experiencing stress and excitement at the same time, it feels like a spark chemically in your brain. And you That's assign that to, we're in love, this is good. Now what happens is, as you spend more time with someone, comfy, cozy, you get more comfortable, which means your stress goes down. Mm. And when your stress goes down, you think, oh, the spark's gone, we don't feel it anymore. Right. But actually they made you feel safer, they made you feel more comfortable. And so we're right. so brainwashed into believing that life and love has to be like this exciting thing all the time that we're actually looking for more first dates. And that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna live your life only going to first dates mm. or two dates because that's where you can have that spark. Whereas by date seven, you're not gonna feel stress anymore because the person makes you feel happy. Right, that's you know they're interested in you. Yeah. Right. That's funny, I gotta like hold out, not on sex, but on head tickles. Yes. Well, it's I like mean, I'm gonna get too tickles. comfy. Yeah. That's the beauty of spending time away from your wife or husband too. Yeah. I mean, I right. talked about this when I went on my girl's trip. Yeah. And then my husband didn't answer my phone call for an hour. And <laughs> I was like, this is so hot. Or are you, um, where are you? <laughs> yeah. like, I'm back like, in the game. Right, it's like, I'm a little stressed. This yeah. is like kind of exciting. And that's where you have um, to go and do activities <laughs> I really think couples <laughs> couples doing activities where they both are not experts trying something new out mm -hmm. is a I really like great that. way of bringing stress back into relationship in a healthy way. Right. And so I remember, you know, on our last vacation, me and wife, my wife took a surf lesson. We're not surfers. We're born and raised in England. You don't go surfing in England. And we went on a surf lesson. It was like we were both falling over, we were both messing around. It's like when you're doing something new together. You like fall back in love again and again. Right. But if you're just washing your if you're just washing your clothes, doing the laundry, washing the dishes, and you watch your partner do the same, and then you watch a show at night, it's gonna be hard. Now I'm not saying you have to not watch TV. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying once a week, once a month, don't just book a dinner date. Like everyone's date night is we go out for dinner and a movie. Mm. There's no shared experience. If you're gonna go for dinner, go to somewhere random and try out food you've never had before. Right. Right? right. Go and do something crazy. Go and make something at home that you never made and play hot ones with your partner, right? Like whatever, mm. like go do something fresh. Don't go and do Netflix and chill and expect to be in love.
Yeah. I, I think that's that. great advice, especially yeah. for keeping things fresh the longer you're together, which is like I think the goal for most people, not everyone, but for most people to to maintain a long-term stable yeah. relationship. Um, but there's so many practical, amazing tips in your book, and I want everyone to go check it out. You can buy it, I assume, anywhere books are sold. Yeah. Eight Rules of Love, How to Find It, Keep It, and Let It Go by Jay Shetty. This was such an amazing Thank episode. You. There's so Again, I've read, read the book. There's so many great practical tips where it's not like you you really get into the specifics of how to get there, not just ideas, but the actual um, step-by-step guide for how to get there. So I love the book and I know our audience is going to really enjoy it too. Thank you so much. And thanks to you both. I, I yeah. love the way you dug in. This was so much fun. Like I, I love where we went with this and uh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so honored. I love what you guys are doing. Keep crushing. Oh, thank you, thank so, you much. so much for yeah. coming. This is great. Thank we'll, you. We'll be back on Wednesday. Bye. The You Up podcast is produced by Sean Kilby, Maddie Paul and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Maddie Paul. Be sure to follow at u.up.podcast on Instagram and send us your emails to uup at betches.com. Thank you to our sponsor, Netflix. Bridgerton is back. And dearest gentle readers, you will not want to miss this chapter. Longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Will these friends defy expectations to find true love? And will Penelope's secret identity as Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? You shall have to watch and see. Watch part one of Bridgerton only on Netflix, May 16th. Betches.